Hi, it's Molly. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Excel Books Podcast. I believe you're in for a treat. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to the Excel Books Podcast. It's Molly. Uh, it is Sunday. It is Easter Sunday. And I first want to say happy Easter to all of you. I hope that you have a fun-filled day uh, with your family and loved ones and that this is just a day that we remember, um, you know, our Savior. With that in mind, today's message is actually on Easter. And normally I don't do kind of cliche messages, you know, where you talk about the actual thing that's happening on that day. Why? Because I'm odd. But I wanted to talk about Easter from a slightly different perspective because I feel like it's not talked about enough. And if we start talking about this and really thinking about it in a healthy manner, I think we can have some happier relationships. So I want to talk about Easter as far as what's acceptable. What do I mean by that? When most people think of Easter, you see bunny rabbits, right? So these cute little cottontail creatures hopping all around. You think of chocolate, you think of eggs, you think of uh, big old feasts. You know, there's very little talk about Jesus unless you're actually in the church or you're already a Christian. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the challenge that comes in is the balance of enjoying life and honoring God. A lot of times when people hear Easter, or I'll say some of our traditional seasoned Christians, have a tendency to ban Easter, uh, the Easter fun, I'll say. And when I say Easter fun, I mean like, the kid that has a cute little Easter basket with all the little toys and stuff on it. And you're like, it's not a birthday. This is not a holiday. This is not, you know, Christmas. This is Easter. It's when we reverence our God. And a lot of times um, we have well-meaning Christians who will kind of banish that, that celebration from their family because they're like, oh, it's not about the bunny. We don't do bunnies around here. We don't do chocolate you know, it, it's not a feast. You don't know no, this is about Jesus. You go to church, you, you get dressed up, look cute, go to church. That's it. Now, let me first say there's nothing wrong at all with honoring God on Easter. You should honor God on Easter. That's what the holiday is about. There's nothing wrong with getting dressed up on Easter. But I want to kind of debunk some of these myths and maybe give some of you some peace this holiday as you're getting ready for service this morning. So, number one, let's talk about the Easter basket for these little ones. The Easter basket, regardless of whether it was invented by uh, commercial companies as a marketing ploy or whatever theory you have, the Easter basket is not replacing God. It doesn't have that power. Nothing can take away the power of God. So the basket is not going to hurt anybody. If the basket has chocolate, if it has eggs, 
if it has a little motorized car or whatever it is that you're blessing the kids with, it is not hurting their relationship with God. If anything, I dare to challenge, it actually strengthens that relationship for believers. And why do I say that? I have, um, as a mom, I have two kids. When my kids were little, we gave our kids Easter baskets. We didn't go crazy about it. We didn't say, oh my gosh, we got to have the biggest basket and all that. But we were like, okay, get an Easter basket. You know, and when we went to church, you know, they would have little Easter eggs and Easter egg hunts and things for the kids to do. And as a result, my kids didn't grow up thinking, man, you know, I don't need God because I got an Easter buddy. They didn't think that. Actually, it strengthened their relationship. My kids love Easter. Matter of fact, they're like, okay, I can't wait to go to church. I can't wait to get to, to hear more about God. Matter of fact, my kids read the word more often than me sometimes. I know, shame, shame on Molly. Um, but they read it more than me because they have so many positive experiences associated with God and his house. And believe it or not, the Easter basket, the Easter hunts, the eggs, the chocolate, whatever they did, it all connected to their mental experience of church going. And so now they don't, they don't worry about, you know, they're not even thinking about the commercial ploy. And for those of you thinking, well, they're going to grow up wanting Easter baskets all the time. My kids never even asked for it. Like they never asked for it. Like I gave it to them when they were younger and then I just stopped like cold turkey. Like I didn't explain. I didn't ask them if they wanted a basket. I just stopped giving them Easter baskets. And you know what? My kids still want to go to church. Matter of fact, they ask me when I'm lazy and I'm tired and I don't feel like going. They're like, mom, can we go to church today? I'm like, sure. Let me get up and be a better Christian today. Let's go to church, son. Um, so that's what we, you know, that's what we did. So, and I know that that's just my personal child experience, but I'm, I'm trying to give you some insight because sometimes we mean well, but we cause more scars. I've actually met more atheists that have had negative experiences on holidays because of church. And that kind of fueled their lack of love for God. I actually had I actually had two friends um, at one time. And when I say friends, you know, it's, it's a strong word. Um, I had an atheist friend in, in high school. And I had one when I was an adult. And they both were like, you know, one of the things they hated about church was it was never fun. They said it was the most stressful, boring experience. Everything was so serious. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't have a bunny. You couldn't have Christmas. You couldn't have this. It was like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And they're like, okay, I love Jesus, but I'm so tired of hearing about it. I don't even want to do this. Forget faith. And that's one of the things that fueled their experiences. Now, I'm not saying that to say that you need to run out and get the nearest Easter basket that you see. Not saying that at all. What I am saying is be in balance. You know, you guys know that for me, balance is everything. And you want to really think about it like, okay, are you denying your kid a basic a basic joy of being a child because of religion or because of a, um, because you're being led by God to do it. And there's a big difference. There's a difference between being religious and being spirit led. 
and not trying to get too deep and spiritual spooky with you guys, but there's a difference. Religion is a lot of tradition and things that you do that you may not even remember why you just do it because it's been done that way for so long. You're just religious. Like we go on Sunday. Why? Because we go on Sunday. But why do you go on Sunday? If you go on Thursday, is it a sin? Like, oh, we've never gone on Thursday. Okay, but did God say anything in his word that you can't go on that day? You, you got to really think about the balance of religion versus spirit led. Um, not going to go too deep into this, but there are people that have asked about, you know, is it wrong to go to church on Wednesday versus Thursday? Um, my particular church that I'm at now goes to church on Thursday. And I, this is one of the first churches I've gone to church on Thursday in a long time, but I've attended both. And I can tell you the Lord, the Holy Spirit moves on Thursday just as well as it does on Wednesday. And I can tell you that the Lord has not come down and decided to burn things in my house because I went on a Thursday. Um, there's literally nothing wrong with the day. I think God is more concerned about our relationship than he is about the specific day of the week. And I know that's going to ruffle feathers. And I know if I'm, I'm sure if I have some uh, fabulous Adventists listening, you're probably thinking, you can't say that, Molly. The holiest day is Saturday. Hey, if you want to worship on Saturday, worship on Saturday. You know, if you don't believe in Saturday or Sunday, worship on Friday. It doesn't matter the day. What matters is you connecting with him, you developing your relationship with God. I have yet to see God come down and say, how dare you for doing this? You know, I haven't seen anybody get less blessed because they worshiped on a certain day. I haven't seen people have less prosperity because of that. I, I haven't seen anybody not get healed because they worshiped on that. A lot of these things happen in the, the Old Testament and, the, you know, when it was uh, God was more concerned about doing things to the letter. But, you know, at the core, it's about loving God, loving people you know, loving people as you love yourself. He's more concerned about the love and the relationship. Um, you know, like I said, I'm no Bible scholar. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones, you know, pray about it fast if you must. Um, if you want to, you know, if you hear this and you're like, Molly, you're, you know, you're blaspheming. Hey, I repent. Um, I'm just saying that this, these are my Molly thoughts. Um, going back to another Easter myth. Let's talk about the outfit. And you know, I was going to go there. You're like, what outfit? Don't act like you don't know. Easter. Oh my goodness. The one thing I know about Easter is that it is the one day that people get really prideful. It's all about the outfit. You get women who never dress up who are now in two-piece dress suits, heels, hats, makeup on from head to toe, you know, their, their, their perfume, lotion, you know, all of a sudden they're early to church. They're, you know, they, they got to make it look like they're, they're like, well, I'm dressing up for Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. I'm like, Hey, if that is your way of honoring God, by all means do so. Um, however, I'm going to give you some caveats here. A lot of times people dress up for church on Easter and it's not for Jesus. It's for show. 
is because they want other people to look at them a certain way or because they want other people to be like, oh, yeah, you, you've got everything uh, going on financially or, you know, surely you're blessed. Look at how nice you look. Or they just want the compliments um, to kind of stroke their pride for a little while. And that is not the purpose of Easter at all. And I, I dare say, you know, I'm just going to give you the Molly, you know, the Molly tough love here. Jesus is not worried about your suit. I said it. I said it. Love me or hate me, but I said it. He is not concerned about your suit. He does not care about your dress. He is not looking at you saying you didn't wear the nicest thing. And and I say this for two reasons. One, what you wear for that particular day, what you wear for Easter can be just as much as a distraction from God as the Easter egg. Because you're putting so much focus on this appearance that people aren't even thinking about Jesus. They're like, oh, y'all all look nice. All right. It's like, okay, but you don't do this any other day. So what does that say about your honor for God then? If that is the purpose, do you only honor God on this one day in your best outfit? Like you, you can see where the confusion comes in. You can see where the atheist can pick apart your faith here. I'm not saying that you need to dress up every day to the nines because I'll be honest, I am not. I repeat, am not wearing heels. It's not happening. I've never enjoyed wearing them. It's always been hard for me. My ankles have always hurt. My knees have always hurt. Me and heels just don't really work. And dressing up takes so much effort for me. It's just not who I am. Now, I commend and admire women who can get up and look like you know, a supermodel before a church, bless you, bless you, bless your makeup brush, um, bless your mirror. But I cannot do that. It is too exhausting for me. I most of the time lose my makeup. I'm like, I think I have lip gloss somewhere in this house. I don't know what purse, what drawer it's in, but I think I have some. They're like, you haven't used it in six months. Okay. They're like, it's bad now. Oh, it is. Okay. Well now I don't have lip gloss. Like that's how I am dressing up. But what I want to say is make sure, you know, reason number one, that you keep it in balance because it could be just as much a distraction uh, from the reason of Easter as well, where people are so focused on, I have to look right when God's more concerned about you being in the building, regardless of what you've got on. Um, on the same note of the clothes, make sure that you're not putting your, not allowing your outfit to become a crutch. Or, a, or a, a shame to other people. I know you're thinking, how can a dress bring shame to somebody else? They're not wearing it. I get it. I'm with you. What I mean by that is I'm thinking about the people who don't have those kind of outfits, that don't have the money for those kind of things, that aren't comfortable wearing those kinds of things. And the problem that comes in is you have people that come in and they're dressed to the nines and the atmosphere becomes one of intimidation. Sometimes it's unintentional, right? You know, because that's just how your particular church body is. But sometimes it is truly pressure. I have been in churches where people kind of look down on you because it's Easter and you're not dressed up. Or, or even better, you've come in in jeans. How dare thee wear jeans in the sanctuary on the Lord's Day of Resurrection? Um, and I get it. 
I get it. I get it that there are different uh, churches and different beliefs and there are people that believe in, you know, women wearing dresses and all of that. And that's not the purpose of today's message. But what I'm saying is a lot of times we turn away people and we discourage them from coming into the house because we've created an atmosphere that makes them feel like they don't belong. It's no different than going to a job and everyone at the job wears like the finest suits and their suits all cost like a thousand dollars each. And the only suit you have is a thrift store suit. Immediately the atmosphere has changed and now you start to feel uncomfortable because you've got a thrift store suit on and they're kind of looking at you like they can tell that it's cheap. And it's not that they should stop wearing suits, but you got to think about If you're going to do that, if you're going to wear these things, make sure that your attitude towards people is welcoming. Make sure that your your heartbeat behind uh, interacting with people that you see is welcoming. Because you can easily turn people away with your well-meaning traditions. I have been at many churches in my life, and when I say many... I have been in different backgrounds. I have been at Baptist, Free Will Baptist, Pentecostal, Episcopal, um, non-denominational. Um, I've been in, oh gosh, there's so many of them. I've literally visited or, you know, many different churches, you know, attended for, you know, a service or two. I've been at Adventist churches. I've been at just different places because I'm very, I'm open to the spirit of God. I believe that the Lord can move anywhere. He can move outside of a church building, you know, because I believe the church is the people. But I can say the churches that I've chosen not to return to are not ones where the church was small. I don't care about the size. Not ones where they didn't have big events. I could care less about that. It was the places where when I went in there, I felt like I didn't belong Because I didn't dress as traditionally as them. You know, I've been in churches where the women don't wear makeup at all. Like, God forbid, don't wear makeup. That's, you know, something that God doesn't want. I'm like, okay, well, I I like putting on some lip gloss once in a while. You know, sue me. Uh, You know, because I like lip gloss. Uh, There were days, you know, not often. You know, like I said, once a year, I'll remember where my lip gloss is. And on that one day a year, I'll put the gloss on. I don't want to feel bad because I felt cute for once. Um, I have also left churches or I'll say not, not joined churches that made me feel uncomfortable from wearing pants. And I've always been a lover of pants. And when I say I've been a lover of pants, I've been this way since I was a kid. I remember going with my grandfather at Presbyterian church, uh, very nice people, but my grandfather was very, very traditional. Like you must wear a dress. I was like, but I don't like wearing dresses. It's uncomfortable. I gotta constantly keep my legs crossed and all these rules and stuff. I just want to be able to sit. What if I want to sit on the floor and cross my legs? What if I want to get on the grass? What if I want to do a cartwheel today? You know, I, I just don't feel like it. And I ended up finding outfits that looked like dresses, but they were actually pants. You know, just because I wanted to kind of beat that tradition, you know, because I was like, why can't I be who I am? I love God just as much as you do. Why does the pants of my body make such a big difference? Um, 
And a lot of it was because I wasn't embraced. I wasn't welcomed for who I was. I was welcomed for my outfit. And you want to be real careful of that this Easter um, or any church service day, because the whole purpose is to get people to hear about our God, especially if you brought a visitor, you know, and let me, <laughs> ooh, let me go there on your visitors. So if you are one of those amazing people, and I say amazing because I believe it's a gift that you have. Um, if you're one of those amazing people that you are able to find someone to bring to church with you. And yes, I mean amazing because all of us don't have that gift. I am one of them. I've tried. They're like, that's great. I'm going to stay home. I'm like, okay, have a blessed day. And that's it, you know, but there are people anointed to, to get people to come to church. If you succeed at getting this person to come to church, number one, make it as easy for them to enjoy the word as possible. What do I mean by that? Do not make them feel uncomfortable about their outfit. I'm not saying you need to stoop to their level or anything like that. But I'll say this. If you have someone that you got to come to church and you know they're uncomfortable at church, you know, they don't want to go, you know, they feel like it's a big religious frenzy. You know, they're like, man, I don't have all these fancy outfits and stuff. You know, all I got is, you know, my work clothes. I'm wearing my scrubs. I'm wearing my jeans and my t-shirt. Um, and that's all I'm wearing. I'm not getting dressed up for this. I don't even know if I'll stay the whole time. Have you thought about maybe making them comfortable and saying, I'll wear jeans and t-shirt with you. So you don't feel like you're the only one, especially if you know your entire church is going to be that dressed to the nines church. Maybe meet them where they are and give them some level of comfort to let them know I'm with you. I'm supporting you. I, the Bible talks about being all things to all men. You know, I think sometimes that applies to, you know, trying to make them comfortable. Now, let's put that in balance. You can make them comfortable, but that does not mean compromising your integrity. That does not mean compromising uh, your walk with God. I don't mean that. I mean comfort in, as far as things that don't impact your, you know, your integrity. Things like you can wear jeans and a t-shirt with your visitor and the Lord is not going to look down on you. You know what I mean? Um, you can go to a different service time that day. And it's not going to break anything. If you're normally an 8 a.m. person and they don't do 8 a.m. and they don't get up before 10, then go to the 11 a.m. service with them. And I know you're like, but I don't like the 11 a.m. service. But it's not about you. And I know that sounds harsh and I mean it in love, but it's not about you. When you're bringing a visitor, it's about them. It's about God getting to them. And you want to make it convenient for them. Don't make it to where it's like, oh, well, I don't go to 11 a.m. You have to come to the 8 a.m. with me. Okay, well, if they're not a morning person, you may have just lost the opportunity to witness to that person. Because you're unwilling to meet them where they are. You know, be open-minded. Um, and try to help people out. The few times that I have had visitors come to church with me that I've brought, um, I have always tried to meet them where they are. They're like, well, I don't have anything fancy. You know, and I don't have the church hat. I was like, I don't wear a hat. Like, if you want to wear a hat, wear a hat. Um, you know, and I'll ask them, I'm like, hey, it, are you going to be comfortable if I'm in jeans today? They're like, I can wear jeans. I'm like, yeah, be you. I, I personally don't care what you put on. Um, I'm more concerned about you getting to know my God. And that has given people comfort because they know that there's no judgment. 
Let me also say this. It's Easter. If you are lucky enough or blessed enough to have your visitor come with you, attend the whole service, and you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a portion where they're going to ask for a visitor to raise their hand. How many visitors do we have? First time here. If your visitor does not want to raise their hand, do not make them feel bad. Don't put them on blast. Don't ask them like, you know, here, raise your hand, raise your hand. It's your first time. They just want to give you something. They may not want to. I don't care if you're giving them Cadillacs. They may not want it. They may be, it may have taken everything they have just to be in that building. You don't know what kind of past or history they have. You don't know if they've spent their life in a church that has made them feel bad about who they are. You don't know if they've had some of their worst nightmares at church. You don't know. Don't put pressure on them. Let God do that. Unless you are literally feeling led. And when I say led, I don't mean like your emotional feelings made you feel that you should do this. I mean, you're like, the Holy Spirit will not let you rest. And it's like, hey, you need to let them know, okay, let's let's raise our hand. Let's go up to the altar. If you feel the Holy Ghost saying you to, for you to do that, then by all means do so. But if you're not led, do not torment people with that. Give people peace. Because you also got to think about this. You don't know when God is going to move on that person's heart. A lot of people take pe- uh, take visitors in and put this pressure that they've got to have everything happen on that day. But seeds need water to grow and sunlight and time to blossom. And this may be the first time they've come to church in years. That does not mean it's going to be a completely miraculous experience on that specific day. It may be that weeks down the road, months down the road, that they finally say, okay, I'm ready to raise my hand now. I actually had this happen with my with my husband. When we first, uh, before we got married, we were at two completely different churches. We didn't meet in the same church. We met on the college campus. And I was at a Koja church and he was at a, I'm not really sure what their, their denomination was, but he was at a church that he really loved. And when I brought him to my church, he was like, I, he just didn't want to raise his hand. He didn't want to tell people he was a visitor. He didn't even want to say his name, you know, like people could tell he was new, but he was just like, he sat next to me and that was it. That was all the comfort that he had. And because I never pushed him. Now, in the beginning, I take that back. The first time I did push him and a well-meaning Christian corrected me and said, hey, let God do the work. Don't try to force it. And so I stopped. I stopped pushing him to raise his hand to announce that he was a visitor and everything. I was just happy that he was there with me. And then over time, he was like, hey, I'm a visitor. It's been a pleasure uh, attending with you guys all these weeks. I have no intention of joining your church as I have my own, but I will definitely be visiting more often. And by taking that pressure off of him, he was able to find his peace and actually hear the voice of God in the message. Sometimes people can't even hear the voice of God because you're putting so much pressure on them. And ooh, I'm trying to get off of this. All right. Let me also say this. If your visitor is there, do not push everything in them. Here, you need to get the app download for your church. Here's, here's a Bible. Here's a notebook. Here's a pen. Here, did you write that down? Oh, that's really good. Here, you want me to get you a copy of the sermon? Stop. <laughs> Let me say this lovingly. Stop. Let them process 
the service how they want to process. If they ask for it, then help them. But don't push them. Don't push them to get the copy of the message and stay after for the reception and all this other stuff. Let them process how they want to enjoy the service. And this may mean doing things a little different for yourself. You know, I'm trying to tell you guys about witnessing here. Um, When you're meeting people where they are, you take off what you want to do for yourself and you put on the cloak of servanthood to serve that person. So you may be used to going to church on that Sunday and then you have a big old reception afterwards and it's a four or five hour experience for you. And you love it because that's what you do every Sunday. That's just what you do. But your visitor may not be used to that. And they may not be ready for that or willing to do that. So you may need, you need to consider how they're feeling and just check in with them like, hey, are you doing Okay. Is there anything I can do to make you more comfortable? And it may say, no, I'm good. I'm just trying to listen. Okay. At that point, zip it. Let them listen. And you may say, hey, do you want to go to the reception with us afterwards? And they may say no. And if you drove them there, be a Christian and take them home. Do not get all pouty faced and start pushing, you know, your agenda like, oh, well, you know, you got to get the reception. We're going to have ribs. You know, what you, what you going to eat for lunch? You going to go home and buy something at McDonald's? Man, come over here and eat. Maybe they just don't want to. It may have nothing to do with being comfortable with the people they were around. It could be that they literally just didn't want to. And you have to respect that. I'm, I'm going to say this um, from an experience I had. There was a guy that I dated in high school. Really nice guy. Um, he was into me, I guess. Uh, more into me than I thought. Um, I was kind of getting, you know, you know what it's like, you know, you meet the guy, you're with them, but you're like, I don't know if I really, really love the guy, you know, it's, I like him. Well, he invited me to his church and his church was very different from my church. I was at a Kojic church. This is before I was with my husband. I was at a Kojic church and he was at a very, very traditional, uh, church where you go in the building And they locked the doors behind you. I was like, oh, Lord. I was like, why are the doors locked? Am I in prison? What's going on? And they locked the doors and they got the ushers standing at the doors waiting. Like, if you get ready to go, they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I need to pee. Am I allowed to pee? Is there a hall pass? Like, what do I need to do? And then they were like this offering thing where, you know, they, it's like two, three offerings. Like they would pull up the offering and they're counting it up in front. And I guess they needed more or something. And they put the plate back, passed it back around. And they're looking at you like, all right, come on, you know, the Lord is moving. I was like, the Lord is not moving me to give any more than what I just gave. Because that's what I had. I asked God before I even got up this morning, Lord, what do I give? And I, and I already had it ready. I was like, so you can pass that bucket around five times if you want to. You're not getting any extra out of me. And you could tell he was uncomfortable. You know, I could tell that and. You know, they're kind of looking around at me like, what is wrong with her? And on top of that, I was not dressed like everybody else. Everybody else was in the long dresses down to their feet and, you know, the makeup on and all this. I was not. I was in jeans and a t-shirt because that's what I wear when I go to church. I was just comfortable. And I just looked like an oddball and the atmosphere made me so uncomfortable. And I was there because he brought me there. 
And by the time the service was over, which was like a three hour service, which I was exhausted. I'll just be honest. I was exhausted. I felt like I had been in a movie theater with no bathroom break and no popcorn. I was like, I, I, I need to leave. But I didn't even get the option of going home right away because they're like, okay, well, you got to stay for the reception. I'm like, I really don't want to stay for the reception. They're like, oh, we're just going to fellowship hall. It's just a few steps away. I didn't care where the steps were. I didn't want to be around these people anymore because they made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel like I couldn't leave. It made me feel like I couldn't go to the bathroom. It made me feel like I was underdressed. They made me feel like I didn't give enough, you know, and they were very nice when they spoke to me. But I was uncomfortable. And by the time we got the fellowship, everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad you came. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not coming back. And between that and just some other things with that particular gentleman, I broke off the relationship. But going to the church with him let me know right away, this is not the man for me. And it was really tough because he really liked me. And I didn't know how much he liked me until years later and college happened and he came to find me and really wanted to be with me. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't feel the same way. And a lot of it had to do with that church experience because that was where he truly believed he belonged. And I had no, you know, no issues with him being at his church. I'm like, be where God's led you. But I know I am not called to be there. I have no peace and no joy here. And I feel like I'd have to fight to find some measure of happiness And I don't want that to be the rest of my future. And I couldn't really have that talk with him. Like I tried, but he didn't really understand because that's his church home. And I didn't want to disrespect his church home and insult it. So I decided to leave him. Long story short, as a visitor on a church holiday or whatever, it just was a very uncomfortable experience. And the things I've been telling you are things that, you know, shied me away from that church. I don't know where it is, but I know I'll never go back, you know? Now, it did not keep me from loving God. I love my God. I'm born again, saved, baptized, Holy Ghost filled, you name it, I got it all. I'm scattered, smothered, and chucked, you know, Um, in the spirit. But these are things that I did, that I experienced, that I learned as time went by. And I'm hoping that some of these things will help you. So just a quick nutshell recap, you know, it's Easter Sunday, Wear what makes you comfortable. Don't make other people feel uncomfortable if they're not dressed like you. Don't pressure people when they get there. If they don't want to raise their hand as a visitor, give them peace. Let them be anonymous. They don't have to announce who they are. God knows their name. That's all that matters. Trust me, he's not going to forget who they are. Um, Be a, a person with a servanthood mindset with these people. Don't just bring them in and say, okay, well, you got to come here. You got to come here, come here. But they didn't want an entire day experience. It may be like a, a great thing for you, but for them, it's like, okay, I feel like I just went to a job because I spent eight hours at church. You know, let them flow. Um, you know, if they're like, I'm here, but I don't want to go to the reception, let them have peace. And last but not least, let God do what he's going to do. Remember that he's the one in control of this. There's nothing wrong with the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny did not take away Jesus. I, you know, your kids are not going to grow up, you know, hating the Lord because they got a, a, a chocolate egg. Let them get the egg. It's not going to hurt anybody. Let them do the Easter egg hunt. 
they may actually end up loving God more because they associate church as a place of fun and peace instead of a place of all seriousness and rules. And it is serious and there are rules, but they'll have the balance of it's not all work and no play. They realize that, oh, God cares about my happiness. He wants me to actually do something enjoyable. Yeah, he does. So that's what I wanted to mention to you about Easter today. I am actually, for those of you, I'm wrapping up now. uh, For those of you that were concerned about, you know, my last message with the car accident, I am getting better day by day. Uh, My ankle is still in pain, but it is healing. Um, The concussion is pretty much gone, praise Jesus. And we have decided as a family to brave going to church today. I'm feeling comfortable enough to actually be in the car and go back. So pray for us because we want to actually make it home safely after church today. But we are doing better. Chiropractors working miracles. Uh, God's working it out. It's going to be a great resurrection day. I'm actually thinking of it as God, not only that he resurrect, but thank you, Lord, for uh, resurrecting our lives and not letting us pass in that accident. So we are doing well. Thank you all for your prayers. That's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, be blessed, be prosperous. I hope that you increase and have an abundant life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Excel Books Podcast with Molly. You can find more helpful resources and services at xclbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send us a message at xelbooks.com or email xelbooks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again next time for more tips on work, family, and life.